You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we dive into this Tuesday episode here at Locked On Rams, wanted to quickly thank you guys for always making us your first daily listen here. And not just that, but we just recorded our biggest week ever for the second week in a row here at Locked On Rams. So I genuinely appreciate you guys so much for always listening and supporting us here. This episode is going to be a good one like they always are. We're going to dive into some of the number breakdowns here from PFF. We have all the in-depth coverage data, pass rushing data, everything you can imagine from this game between the Rams and the Titans, which of course was a disgusting performance in general. But then also we're going to dive into this final question here that I mentioned in the intro. Should the Los Angeles Rams be one of the teams interested in signing Odell Beckham, who was recently released, or I guess they say waived, which is now just a weird different kind of term for saying released, really, by the Cleveland Browns. He's now going to be a free agent potentially if he doesn't get claimed today, but we'll break that down at the end, so make sure to stick around for that. We'll first dive into this recap and then flip the page moving forward, and I pulled up some of these interesting numbers that I found from PFF from this contest between the Rams and the Titans, and I think we've got to begin at the quarterback spot, and it was clearly Matthew Stafford's worst game. Doesn't take a genius or Nick Saban or an X's and O's professional to tell you that. I mean, the guy had two awful interceptions in this game, one of which was returned for a touchdown. The other one, which was five yards away from being returned for a touchdown that ended in a touchdown for the Titans anyways. But you look at three turnover worthy passes. That is just not going to cut it. That's really bad. Obviously his passing grade was bad. According to PFF, only 6.1 yards per pass attempt. That's not good. 5.8 average depth of target. That's not good. His passer rating. I mean, it was in the 70s. Again, not good. I mean, just all across the board. Stafford really struggled in this game. And half of that was really just due to his own sort of incompetence in this game. But at the same time, the offensive line did not help this guy one bit. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why the Rams struggled in this game, right? Because up to this point, Their offensive line, I talked about it many times on this podcast. I felt like I said it every other episode. They were a top three, top five at worst offensive line. Maybe the best pass pro in football. Like they were so, so consistent week after week, consistently giving Stafford time to not just throw five or 10 yard passes. This guy was throwing the ball downfield and was hardly ever getting pressured. I mean, the Rams gave up the fewest sacks in the NFL, the fewest pressures in the NFL. And then you go into this game. And the numbers were not pretty. I mean, Austin Corbett, the right guard, gives up four pressures. Center Brian Allen gives up four pressures. Rob Havenstein, right tackle, gives up four pressures. Left guard David Edwards gives up three pressures. That's a combined 15 pressures from these guys. That is just way too much for your quarterback to handle. And it's kind of crazy to say that Andrew Whitworth, 55 pass blocking snaps, didn't give up a single pressure. I don't know how this guy does it. I swear to God, I was talking about it last week on the podcast it's insane. I mean, it is truly incomprehensible how good this guy is. At 40 years old, he didn't give up a pressure. He was the only offensive lineman that graded out well for the Rams. He actually graded out in the elite tier with a 90 plus overall pass blocking grade. Everyone else kind of shoddy. I mean, Rob Hainstein had a good grade nearing 80 overall there, which is solid, but 
I mean, they give up five sacks in this game. We all know that's too much, of course. And it's not just the sacks that hurt. It's the 15 pressures that don't allow Stafford to get comfortable back there. Then you start to see ghosts, as they say, for a quarterback. You start to hear those footsteps. Your internal clock starts to speed up. Everything starts to kind of affect you, right? You take your eyes off of your reads downfield and you start to watch the pass rush and all these kind of little things sort of trickle down and just make it worse and worse. It's like a domino effect in the NFL. And that's why they always say, right, if you win in the trenches, you're probably going to win the football game. And really, the Titans were the proof of that really happening. I mean, they dominated snap after snap in the pass rushing department, especially up front in the interior. I mean, it's one thing to win off the edges where a quarterback can still step up in the pocket and survey the field. And Stafford did that in this game a handful of times, even on the touchdown to Tyler Higby, which was called back because he stepped out of bounds and multiple other occasions. But when guys are winning up the middle of the field, up in the interior offensive line, interior defensive line area there, you have really nowhere to go. I mean, you can maybe leave the pocket every now and again, but that's going to condense your field a lot smaller. You're taking progressions out of the read now. You're only having maybe 30 to 40 to 50% of the field to work with when you start scrambling out of that pocket. And we know Stafford is not Lamar Jackson. I mean, this guy's pretty damn slow. Let's just call it what it is. He's not the mobile type, the scrambling type anyway. So, I mean, when you lose up front in the interior, you're really not giving yourself any chance to do anything And ultimately, that was really what decided the game. Now, something else that I found interesting, and this is a season-long statistic here, not just uh, last night or two nights ago when the Rams played, but Javante Williams, the Denver Broncos running back, he's basically the king of forcing missed tackles this season from the running back position. The guy breaks tackles like no other. So when you look at his missed tackles forced, he has 35 on only 95 rushing attempts. So for every third rushing attempt, he's basically forcing a missed tackle, which is obviously impressive. He's got the best clip in the NFL right now, the best rate. He's just really good at doing it. And I thought, you know, that sort of got my wheels turning in my head. I wanted to look at how Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle looked in that regard because I mentioned it. They're lacking some sort of explosion, some sort of juice. None of these runs are really going for 15, 20, 25-yard gains. You hardly see them gaining that type of yardage. And so when I looked at their numbers combined, they only have 29 missed tackles forced. That's six fewer than Javante Williams. And yet, they have 193 rushing attempts. So they had 100 more rushing attempts and they have six fewer missed tackles. Now, I don't expect him to be Javante Williams because they're not. That guy is truly a special talent. But I mean, when you look at Sony Michelle, a former first round pick, that's higher than where Williams was taken. And then Henderson, a guy that was looked really good throughout his NFL career. Another guy that the Rams drafted pretty high in the third round. They drafted him actually in the third round. They traded two third round picks to move up to go get him in that third round. So clearly they value him. But for whatever reason, these guys are not breaking tackles at the second level. And they're not turning those seven, eight, six, five yard gains into 15, 18, 20 yard gains. And I really think this is one of those areas where we're starting to see the difference between a guy like Daryl Henderson, a guy like Sonny Michelle and Cam Akers or someone like the Rams used to have in prime Todd Gurley where they just did a much better job, I feel like, at that second level of forcing missed tackles and turning, you know, five or eight yard gains into 15 or 20 yard gains. And I don't really know what the solution is here. I'm not even sure that there is one. But when I look across the league and I'm seeing some of these other teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, for example, they lose their starter, Miles Sanders, to an injury. He's out for a few weeks. Their backup, Boston Scott, a very similar player to Darren Sproles, for those who used to watch the NFL many years ago. This guy's forcing missed tackles everywhere. I mean, if you're one-on-one with this guy in space, 
you have close to a 0% chance of getting him down. Whereas if it's Michelle or Henderson, I feel like more often than not, they are getting taken down in those types of scenarios. So, you know, I'm not really sure why. It just seems like there's something slow going on there. They're not 100% hitting those holes with, you know, pure explosion and burst. And I'm not exactly certain as to what the reason is. And I'm not even sure how they can fix it. But it's really just one of those areas that I've noticed they have not created any explosive plays for the most part in their running game. And it's been weird to watch because this offense, and it's not the same offense, but going back to 2018, 2017, even 2019, Todd Gurley used to get those gains all the time. And the offensive lines played well this season too. So it's kind of a shock to see that, you know, they're not able to do that kind of stuff anymore for the most part. And outside of maybe, you know, a handful of runs that you could probably count off in one, maybe two hands, it's been a lot of five, six, seven yard gains and the inability to really take those and turn them into a more explosive one. So that's something I'm certainly going to look out for moving forward. But in just a second here, we're going to flip the page and start looking at the defensive side of the ball and how some of these guys fared, of course, a lot better than the offensive side of the ball. You guys can always come connect with us on Twitter at QB's MEP at Locked on Rams and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. And you've heard me talk about the Bilt Bar here many times on this podcast. If you haven't tried it, you're honestly missing out. I'm telling you that from experience. A lot of people say it's just a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. I mean, the texture is entirely different from any other protein bar that I've ever tried. It honestly tastes like a candy bar. It legitimately 100% does. The flavor is great. And I mean, when you compare it to most protein bars, the other ones, they're chalky, they're waxy, they're hard to take down. Most of them are just not really all that enjoyable. A built Bar, they're soft, they're covered in 100% chocolate, and when you bite into it, it's honestly like a different kind of experience. You know you're tasting something different compared to all these other protein bars. They're low in carbs, low in fat, low in calories, low in sugar, and they're high in protein, so you can get all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious, and they have so many different flavors. This month, actually, at Built, they're coming out with a new limited time flavor every three to four days so make sure to go check out their website often you do not want to miss some of these cool flavors that they have coming out you can go to built.com and use the promo code lock 15 and you get 15 percent off your order use the promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com and as always thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at locked on rams now we can continue along with where we left off and i definitely wanted to start to take a look here at the defensive performance because you know this is a one-off type of game in my opinion they just got dominated up front at least on the offensive side of the ball and then they had the two compounding turnovers just made a bad day a lot worse but they had good things to take away from this game and I thought the defense did a tremendous job I mean the Titans they had 143 yards passing they hardly ran the ball effectively they were averaging two three three and a half four yards per carry at best and in general, I mean, you've seen a lot of these guys step up. So in the run defense department, Obo Okoronkwo, his average depth of tackle was negative three yards. That's obviously a tremendous figure. That means every time he made a tackle in the running game, on average, it was for negative three yards. It was not gaining yardage. It was getting guys down in the backfield, which is tremendous. Jalen Ramsey, negative 0.5 average depth of tackle. That's honestly insane as well. Some of the other guys that definitely stood out Bobby Brown, zero. That's pretty solid for a guy like that, a rookie, a fourth-round pick who hasn't really played all that much this season, who's now going to get some time with Sebastian Joseph Day on injured reserve. And then the main factors really in your run defense, Ashawn Robinson, this guy was tremendous in this game. He had one of his best performances, I think, as a Ram up to date. 1.5 average depth of tackle yards. That's pretty solid. Greg Gaines, another guy that's now going to be a huge factor for the Rams going forward with Joseph Day out. 
1.5 as well. That's really good. Ernest Jones, two yards on his average depth of tackle. Aaron Donald, 2.67 yards. Like all these guys really found a way to stand out. And it really just begins up front with those guys on the interior. We're talking Ashawn Robinson and Greg Gaines. And the Rams, luckily, they have a lot of depth at this spot. So even though they lose a guy like Joseph Day for the majority of the season, maybe even the entire season, and mind you, this guy's a top three, top five run stuffer, maybe the best run stuffer in football, I think they're going to be fine in this regard. I mean, we've seen Greg Gaines step up now. Ashawn Robinson, I've called him Drewski. I mean, I don't know if anyone knows who that is. He's like a younger comedian, probably around my age, something like that. He's on TikTok and all these different places, and he's hilarious. And uh, he just looks sort of like Drewski has a helmet on, found his way onto the field. The way he moves, it looks funny. It just kind of looks non-athletic at all, but the guy's a freak. I mean, he's so good in his role, and he's not really a great pass rusher, but if I'm not mistaken, he actually had the pressure on Ryan Tannehill where Tannehill threw the pick to Jalen Ramsey, and a lot of that interception has to be sort of like an assist handed to Robinson there because if Tannehill can step into that throw, he's probably not throwing it behind A.J. Brown. I think he's going to be a little bit more accurate on that pass and maybe Ramsey gets a pass breakup, but instead, that's where you see some of these pressures stand out, right? You don't see a sack on that statistic there. Ashawn Robinson gets no stats on the box score there, nothing to show for it. But ultimately, his pressure there forced that interception for the most part. So shout out to him for being able to even apply a little bit of pressure, which is never going to be his role. But he's been good for the Rams, and he's now going to be counted on moving forward even more. And some of the other guys, I mean, the pressures in general, they didn't get a lot of opportunities. The Titans really just didn't drop back to pass the ball a ton. But I mean, Obo Okoronko, three pressures on the game. Terrell Lewis, three pressures. Leonard Floyd, three pressures. Aaron Donald, three pressures. Greg Gaines, two. And then like we mentioned, Ashawn Robinson with his pressure as well. Still feel like the Rams feel good about this department. And as we know, Von Miller did not suit up in this game. This guy's a superstar. He's going to change everything up front for the Rams. They're going to get so much better moving forward. And hopefully he can suit up next week against San Francisco because Jimmy Garoppolo is terrible back there. That guy loves to hold the football. And they just lost Mike McGlinchey. I think he still plays right tackle for them. I think for the entire season, actually, which is a huge hit to them. And obviously, they've had a very disappointing season in general, which is a big, big opportunity for the Rams moving forward in that game to not just rebound and try to get a win, but to do it in a dominating type of fashion. I think they really have the ability to potentially do that, which we'll dive into later this week. And before we get there, the last aspect of this game that I sort of wanted to dive into and take a look at here is the coverage aspect. Like the pass rushers, they didn't get a ton of opportunities, of course. Tannehill, only 143 yards passing. That's just not much. I mean, in an NFL game, you're expected to get at least 250, and that's still a quiet game these days in the passing league that they play in. But Darius Williams allows three receptions on three targets for 36 yards, and that's not bad. But in general, it was the first downs that killed him. I think two of them came on third down on third and longs, and he allowed two first downs, so that's not good. He had a bit of a struggle in his first game back, so hopefully he can get a little bit more comfortable moving forward. Jalen Ramsey, I mean, this guy's elite across the board. He does it differently. Gives up three receptions for 20 yards, two first downs, has an interception in his own right. He's just different. I mean, this guy, I said it today on Twitter, he's one of the best cornerbacks to ever play in the NFL. I mean, he is just so good. His coverage is every bit as good as his run defense, as his IQ. When you see him step in on some of those screens, he's physical as hell. He's tough, great tackler. This guy does not shy away from anything. I've never seen anything like it, not for the Rams at least. This guy is truly special in every single way. And I think he's approaching that Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt prime type of tier where we're just bored by how good he is. Like nobody's even looking and saying like, 
oh, great interception. Oh, my God, that's such a great play. Like, we expect this out of him at this point to the point where we're just bored with what he does because we expect it, and he does it every single week. I mean, you see it on Twitter. You see it from some of these people where he'll lock up your favorite wide receiver, allow 10 yards in the game, and someone will call him washed for allowing 10 yards. Like, how is 10 yards being given up washed i don't know people are crazy but this guy is just truly special and in general i mean they had a great game dante dion three receptions for 18 yards that is nothing really ernest jones three receptions as well for 16 yards and the score which i mentioned on yesterday's podcast that the score was probably attributed to him and ultimately it was so not exactly great there but i mean you really can't ask for much more from a defense i thought they played great they really had as good of a contest as you can ask from them Unfortunately, the offense, the Rams offense, just made it way too easy for the Titans. They gave them basically 14 points. I mean, seven points for sure, essentially 14. And then the Rams, I mean, they give up a garbage time touchdown in defense. So in reality, they maybe just give up one touchdown. Like this defense was great in this game. And yes, it was a little bit easier without Derrick Henry there. That's no questions asked. But it's always good to see the defense trending in the right direction. So hopefully they can continue their upward trend before even adding a guy like Von Miller, who's going to make all the difference in the world, in my opinion. Now, in terms of should they add anybody else? Well, Odell Beckham is a guy who was just recently released, and we are going to dive into whether or not the Rams should take a swing at the former superstar wide receiver here going into the waiver claim process and then potentially into free agency. But before we get there, make sure to tune back in here at the Locked on Rams podcast throughout the rest of the week. We're going to have our episode tomorrow with former host Brad Motter to put our finishing touches on this game and then flip the page moving into Monday night football for the Rams and the 49ers. And that's going to be a big game because the Rams did get swept by the Niners last season. But before we get there, I want to tell you about an amazing app that a lot of my listeners here are taking advantage of. It is called get upside. It is entirely free and not just that, but you can get up to 25 cents cash back for every gallon of gas that you fill up with, with the promo code touchdown. You can find it, as I mentioned, entirely free on the app store or Google play and you can use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for up to $0.50 cents cash back on your first tank of gas. And there's really no downside to it. I mean, you can cash out at any time you want. It can go straight to your bank account. You can get gift cards if you want, even to your PayPal account. Any which way that you prefer, they can make it happen. It is entirely free, as I mentioned. Get upside. And the promo code is TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents cash back on your first tank of gas. And thank you guys, as always, for making us your first daily listen here at Lockdown Rams. For your second daily listen, go check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson will break down every major NFL news story in under 30 minutes every day, entirely free, wherever you get your podcasts. And now we can dive into the juicy part. Everyone wants to know, Odell Beckham, this guy was released. He's a superstar receiver, as we know. A guy who's done a lot of special and crazy things in the NFL. And the Rams are sort of in a transitional state there at that spot where, you know, they lose Tutu Atwell to injured reserve. They lose Deshaun Jackson to the Las Vegas Raiders, by the way. I didn't mention that he did end up signing there, which is kind of a weird fit, but we'll see how that works out. And so now they're a little bit in a flux position there with wide receiver. Not to mention, they just lost Jacob Harris to, I believe, a torn ACL and MCL, which is just terrible. He's going to be out for the season, and he's not a wide receiver by trade technically, but Sean McVay actually said that they wanted to switch his designation, his positional designation from tight end to receiver because that's what he is. So, I mean, technically they lost another receiver there in Jacob Harris, which is terrible news. Hopefully he's okay and he can recover quickly going into next year. Prayers to him. Hopefully, you know, it's not a 
grueling rehab process for a guy who the Rams are very, very high on. But now you look at, does Odell Beckham make sense for this team, right? He got waived by the Cleveland Browns, which means all 32 NFL teams will have a chance to place a waiver claim on him. And we're going to find out Tuesday, 4 p.m. if anybody did, but it doesn't seem likely because nobody's going to want to inherit his contract, which I think is going to pay him out roughly around seven to $8 million, somewhere in that range throughout the rest of the season. And there's only like seven or eight teams that can afford that. But Odell has already come out basically and said that he wants to play for a contender, probably not going to want to go play for a team like the Detroit Lions or whoever. And the waiver process works in worst to first order. So the Detroit Lions will have the first opportunity to claim him and then the Jaguars and as it goes all the way through. So the Rams, a pretty good football team right now. They have a good record. They're not going to really get a chance to claim him and they don't really have much cap space. I mean, this is a team with under $3 million in cap space, so they can't claim his contract anyways. But that takes us to the discussion. If nobody claims him, he doesn't have that contract anymore. Another team can step up and sign him. Does he make sense for the Rams? I think if you're looking at it from the perspective of Odell Beckham, makes a lot of sense to want to sign with the Rams. But if you're looking at it through the perspective of the Los Angeles Rams, maybe makes a little bit less sense. And so I just don't know where they can squeeze him into the rotation, right? This is a guy who I think can add something to the offense. There's no doubt about it. I still think Odell Beckham is still a great player in the NFL and he can honestly do a lot of damage. I mean, this is a guy that can win on all three levels of the field. He's got vertical ability, some of the best hands we've ever seen. But it's been a rough last few years. I mean, he's been often injured, hasn't been able to connect with Baker Mayfield. The ending in New York was kind of ugly with some of those other quarterbacks. And it's been a while since we've seen that elite tier or elite version of this guy. And maybe he's that, maybe he isn't anymore. I'm not really certain, but he is definitely good enough to start for a lot of football teams. Now, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk has come out and said that apparently he's kind of cut it down to three teams between the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, And then the last team being the New Orleans Saints with the Seahawks actually being his preferred destination, which is interesting. I'm not really sure why you'd want to go play third fiddle to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but I think he'd be great there because catching passes from Russell Wilson, there's really not many quarterbacks that are better or more accurate. So that one does make sense. But in terms of what the Rams can offer this guy, I mean, if he wants to take a little bit of less money and maybe fewer opportunities that he could get somewhere else, but a chance for a ring, if he really wants to go to a contender, I mean, I think it would make a ton of sense to take that offer if you really want to go for a contending team. But at the same time, right, this guy is known as a diva. I'm not saying that he is or he isn't. It's going to be hard to find this rotation between him and Van Jefferson for that wide receiver three spot. The Rams have already proven to really not be able to do it with Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson. That's why they let him go. But if Odell knows that he's really not going to get a ton of opportunities on offense, it's going to be limited in terms of the targets. And maybe he could be the team's punt returner, something like that. I think that role could work. But again, we're talking about a guy here that's going to want a big contract at the end of the year. And a good way to get there is to ball out for these last eight or nine games. And if you're only getting two, maybe three targets a game, if you're only playing 10, maybe 15 snaps a game, you're probably not going to put yourself in a great position to do that going into the next March, which is free agency. So I'm not really sure that it makes sense for him. I mean, I think the Rams would be interested because this is a guy that they tried to trade for in 2018 before they traded for Brandon Cooks. If you guys remember the Rams, I think it was the 23rd overall pick or 24th, something in that range there. They traded that to New England in exchange for Brandon Cooks and immediately paid Brandon Cooks like a month later. It was like $80 million. And now, of course, he's on the Houston Texans. But 
they wanted to get Odell Beckham at the time. They called the Giants and they tried uh, to inquire about his price. But at that time, he was still a superstar, way too expensive. So it didn't work out. But that brings the question now is like, can they still be interested in this guy? Sean McVay was asked about it a few days ago and he said, hey, you can never say never. So I genuinely think that the Rams will have some sort of interest in this guy, but it is going to be limited, right? And they can only offer him so much money. They can only offer him so much playing time, targets, all these different hoops that they have to clear, which just makes it very unlikely, in my opinion. It just seems like, you know, he's going to get a lot more opportunities for a team like the New Orleans Saints or even the Seattle Seahawks, even the San Francisco 49ers. Now, really, it ultimately depends on what he values the most. If he wants playing time and targets, yeah, some of those teams might make more sense. Maybe even like the New Orleans Saints, he would be the wide receiver one there. And I believe he is from Louisiana anyways, which would be kind of like a homecoming for him. Uh, but if you want to actually get a chance to win a ring and probably play with a good quarterback, right? A guy who's an MVP candidate right now and have a good shot to go make some big plays and start to get closer to that old version of Odell, then maybe the Rams make the most sense. Maybe the Seahawks make the most sense. I don't know why you'd want to go to San Fran in that situation and play with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's absolutely awful. Or why you'd want to go to New Orleans right now and play with Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon. I mean, that doesn't seem like a wise idea either. So we're going to find out today where this guy's going to go, potentially, if anyone has claimed him, which I don't think is going to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then we're going to start to hear rumblings about where this guy may want to go. We've already seen recruitment efforts from brand new Los Angeles Ram, Von Miller. He's already taken it to Instagram and tagged OBJ saying, happy birthday. I love you. Why don't you come chase a ring with us here? We want you here. Jalen Ramsey doing the same thing. The Rams are all in right now. I mean, they're trying to recruit as much as they can. They know how good this guy is. They know what he could add to the offense. And if he wants to sacrifice some of those things and come play for a contender, I don't see why the Rams wouldn't want to make it work. This one would certainly make sense to me. But in general here, I just think there's too many hoops to clear. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I would say right now there's a 90% chance that he's going to go elsewhere or 85, something like that. And then 10 to 15% that he ends up with the Rams. I would never count this team out, not with general manager Les Snead, but I just think there's so many hoops to clear and there's probably a better situation for him out there. Either way though, this is going to be fun to watch because if they do add a guy like this, of course, there's another element of explosiveness to that offense. And if they don't, they're still going to be fine. This team is still great. This offense is still great. They just need to get back on track going into this next week here in week 10 against the San Francisco 49ers. Their first matchup with maybe their biggest rival in the NFL. It's going to be on Monday Night Football, so make sure to tune into that. And before we get there, make sure to keep tuning in here at Locked on Rams as your first daily listen tomorrow. Former host Brad Moner is going to join me. He's going to give our finishing touches on this contest. Then we're going to flip the page, start to talk about this next game between the Rams and the Niners and share his prediction. And as you guys know, you can always follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP, at Locked on Rams, and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.